What's up, fam? Welcome back to That's the Angle. And before we get into this interview with Chris Suspect, I just want to say we are actually producing his photography exhibition and book release party on March 27th here in Washington, D.C. That's a Friday. It's going to be an insane night. It's from 7 until 1 a.m. Yeah, 1 a.m. because he also invited a few of his uh friends who are playing who play in punk rock bands to come and kill the second floor at 11 o'clock so with your ticket you get an awesome punk show some good photos awesome merch and affordable uh exclusive prints for the show i mean hey it's a good time but i digress um guys in this interview i sit down with chris suspect uh you may have gotten it by now, but he's a photographer, but he documents the fringes of society, subcultures, the niches, uh, all in his really awesome black and white punk rock style. His work's incredible. Um, and, you know, that was a big reason why I had him on the show. And I'm so glad that we could build an awesome relationship to do something together. But uh, I honestly, I loved this interview. It was so cool. Uh, listening to like his approach and even his stories, his stories really blew my mind. Uh, yeah, I don't even want to tease you about them, but just just listen, and you're really going to enjoy this one. All right, peace, enjoy. Do 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 do. That's the angle. Do 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 do. That's the podcast. No, no offense, it's a beautiful space. But no, you got me. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's 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 completely ironic because if you saw my last podcast, the background was terrorist. Oh, really? I didn't. Well, I didn't want the last one. Was that with Marta? Uh, the last couple was all terrorists and everything. With terrorists? Oh, sorry, the artwork on the wall was had like Suleimani and it had. Uh, oh, really? Like okay. Someone behind you. It was. I think they had. Um, I forget that guy's name. Just another terrorist. Like the guy, the artist. His inspiration was like the Middle East and all this stuff because of his heritage. And then that's what it was. No, oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, fitting. Yeah, very fitting. <laughs> you know. Are we recording? Oh, of course, man. Of course. Oh, all right. Yeah, I mean, if I sit down, you know. I just, I just want to make sure because uh, there are some people who just start recording right away. There's no little bit of warm up. You just jump right into it, and you know, you got to be careful what you say at the start. Oh no, no, no! I can always edit all, all that good stuff out. <laughs> God damn, your voice sounds good over the microphone. All right. Yeah, well. you weren't, you weren't, you weren't lying. You're, you weren't loud as shit. Jesus, I might have to turn on the headphone mix a little bit. So it sounds good to me, and you're coming in clear here. So yeah, you're good. It's all good. But um, as I mean, long as I'm not peeking. Uh, no, actually, with these microphones, it's really hard to peek unless I'm really pushing the levels. Oh, okay. Yeah. But what's up, guys? Welcome back to that's the angle, and I am honored to be joined here with Chris Suspect. Hello. <laughs> what's up, man? <laughs> excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here, man, because I feel like. You have been reoccurring in my life for the past few years, so it's cool to have you on. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and like your in work, what way? Your work has showed up. Like, it just, like, uh, I love, we'll get into it, but like the vulgarity of your work, but not just that. Like, when I even started this podcast, one of my early guests, he had showed me your work, like your page. And I was like, damn, that's so cool. And I, and I, I think his name was Mike, Mike Miskoviak, Mark Mikoviak. He's like a landscape photographer. I don't know. But I remember him bringing up your work, and I was like, damn, that's really cool. I hope I can talk to him one day. And then uh, a couple months ago at the Lowbrow Exhibition, oh yeah, your work was the, the the cross with all the black and white debaucherous photos on it. And I, was, and I didn't actually even put it together until I was doing a little bit of light research on you before this podcast. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, that was Chris again? Of course that was him. <laughs> so it's just so cool to have you on here, like just... Uh, talk about everything man yeah i'm glad i'm glad you saw that the lowbrow thing i was um 
I'm glad I could uh, put that, that yeah. piece together for it. I like the, uh, I don't know if people know Mike O'Brien out there. I don't know. Have you had him on this show? I'm in talks with having him on. Oh, okay. So, yeah, he's a, he's a great artist himself, but he's also a great champion of artists in D.C. of all kinds. And uh, yeah. I'm fortunate enough that he comes to me occasionally to be included in some of his group shows. And what's nice is that he really has no uh, limits as to what you can do. So I'm free to let my twisted imagination run wild so I can put up upside down crosses <laughs> with gay BDSM scenes on it. So Yeah, there were some big old dildos on that thing. Some big veiny dildos. I remember I was making like a YouTube video for, of that exhibition and I was like, oh, this is going to get me demonetized. <laughs> like Even in the thumbnail, I'd like used that, that the one image, the one clip I had of that piece and I was like, and then in the in another thumbnail, I put this might get me demonetized. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it didn't though, so that works. I made like a dollar from that video. So what can I say? Well, I guess the algorithm didn't pick up that, so that's good. Yeah, I'm glad the algorithm can't detect uh, detective any dicks. That's great. I think, um, yeah, it's really weird sometimes. Not that I post those kinds of pictures online, but several people in my Instagram feed mm-hmm. do, and they usually put like a little star. But there's some things that you can kind of get away with it and i think it might know the difference between a dildo and a penis (laughs) (laughs) instagram or youtube instagram at least i don't know about youtube i would assume they might as well maybe they don't search the thumbnails who knows dude you must hate instagram with the amount of censorship and then the work you do i you know i don't really post anything like that on instagram and honestly the work i do I don't really consider um, it's challenging in that level mm-hmm. where it's sort of um, it's kind of de- by design designed to like scratch the lizard part of your brain. Definitely but if you actually sat and described the photo to somebody without them seeing it, I don't know if it would come across the same, <laughs> same way. I don't think it would come across as uh as a gratuitous, if you will. <laughs> yeah, I mean that. That's a that's a big fact, man. I mean, you're. It's it's funny because if 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 you do any amount of look into your work, it's not all of this. What's what's on Instagram? Like a no. majority of your work isn't just black and white debaucherous shit. No, but that's what's most alluring and appealing about what you do. So yeah, that's a, like Instagram is a is a project um, that I started a long time ago looking into uh, just kind of like the party lives of millennials. And um, and it basically became an offshoot. I was shooting the DC punk rock scene for a long time. And then I was, you know, there would always be these parties afterwards and stuff, and I'd go to them. And then I'd just see some crazy stuff. And then I just started, you know, enjoying those photos just as much as the punk rock photos. And so I just kind of started putting myself into those situations or even trying to create situations like that. And um, so I would do weird stuff in terms of like, oh, there's like a a furry convention in Baltimore. I'm going to go shoot that. You shot that? Uh, no, but that, that was one thing I wanted to do, but I, it keeps coming. I keep kicking myself for not actually doing that. Some butt plugs. But I do, but I do go to a mid Atlantic leather fest and that's, I've been doing that for like seven years. What is mid Atlantic leather fest? That is basically your, uh, your kind of your gay leather scene, S and M bondage. Whoa. It's pretty, uh, pretty intense and you don't really see those photos on instagram but i'm going to be putting out a uh, a book of that that stuff. sounds like the best place to put that 
Put what? Those photos. Like it's, yeah. it's, it seems like the only place we have left to, to put raunchy and as debaucherous photos as we want is in a book somewhere, like a printed book. Yeah, it seems it's kind of it's yeah, it's true. There's um, I mean, there are places online, but I find that a lot of a lot of those places they're mm-hmm. more into they're not into like the the artness of it. They're into just the debauchery, the sexuality, the sexuality of it. of it, and that's really not. I mean, there's a there's some of that is in there, obviously, but that's not really what I'm going for. I mean, I'm not trying to find like the hottest girl to get naked. Mm-hmm. I want to be in an environment where people are kind of cutting loose and it doesn't matter to me like how good they look or whatever. It's more about kind of capturing the scene and making images that kind of spark your imagination there. Actually, I don't really have any images that show any genitalia. I mean, I don't even, I don't take those for myself, you know, it's because that sort of kind of gives it away. It's like if you have, if you're alluding to that sort of thing, um, people's brains will kind of go there. That's why I, why I said earlier, if you uh, take one of my photos and just literally describe it, um, it won't sound that bad. <laughs> but then when you look at it, your imagination kind of goes a little, it brings it to places where the photo is not really sane. So. It really does. Your work really brings it to a place like, what the heck kind of stuff is this guy into? Like, how did he <laughs> find himself in this underbelly of leather daddies and stuff like that? Like, it, it's so fascinating and niche that you're even in those situations. And, and the fact that they're even comfortable with you being there with a camera. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of, uh, well, you know, I try to be a nice guy, and, um, you know, if someone says, hey, don't shoot, I won't, um, but usually, you know, if I'm there, and they, and I'm usually just hanging out, I don't come in just, like, firing off the camera, but... Um, they know you're there, like, do they invite you, like, how does that work? I just show up, usually, but then I'll, you know, I'll see what's going on, and something interesting may happen, where... I'm like, I have to get that photo kind of thing. And so I'll, I'll do it. And they'll be like, what are you doing? And I'll be like, like what you were doing was hilarious or that was really cool. And I'll tell them exactly why I take the photo. So oftentimes they're totally down with it. Other times they might think I'm really kind of crazy. Um, but they usually leave me alone. And then occasionally you get people that just want to be exhibitionists and want you to shoot them. Um, but it is extremely rare when somebody gets upset that's interesting i mean it makes sense because if you're in such an environment where it's so free that you're like oh who cares if we take a photo but i imagine that some of these people are, must have things they don't want said or shown or or anything you know like but that. everyone else is also you know has their cell phones and is taking video of that's stuff so you, true. Know, you cannot escape it in this world i mean you know people get uh, uptight about getting their photos taken on the street but you know what you're already covered by three different angles by three different you know, CCTV type cameras on the, on the corners, you know, it's like, you know, I'm the least of your worries. (laughs) It's like the dynamic changes when you have a professional camera. Like, I don't know what your setup looks like. I'm going to, are you a Sony guy? No, no, no. Uh, Yeah. I have a, had a Sony hat on there. No, I use a, uh, a Leica. Oh, nice. And I use a, taste. And I use a um, a, a Japanese camera, called, a Ricoh called a, a GR2 model. I've heard of a Ricoh, but I don't know what a GR2 is. It's really small, uh, black camera. Um, like a point and shoot? It's basically a point and shoot, but it's kind of a point and shoot on steroids. The quality is Whoa. really, really good. Is it, it film? And no, it's di- it's digital, and you can do all kinds of stuff. 
um, with it. And it's got this little, the GR2 model, not the new GR3, but the GR2 has a little pop-up flash. And it's just great. And no one takes that thing seriously at all. And most people are like, you know, if they see the Leica, they also have a, also use for most of those black and white photos, a 28 millimeter German Voigtlander lens, which is really unique looking too. Mm. So that adds kind of a novelty. They're like, what kind of camera is that? It's like like less intimidating than some giant DSLR setup. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think, plus those things get heavy and then, and they're not, uh, you know, as fast as those folks say those DSLRs are, they're nowhere near as fast as once you learn actually how to manually use a, a Leica you know, or manually set up the Rico. So, so you're manually using your camera in these environments. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, with flash too, as well, like, like ring focusing or focusing, like doing the focus, all the settings and everything all manual. Well, but I mean, I guess at a certain point it does like, once you figure out the lighting, it's really not that different. Well, you don't have to worry about lighting when you're using flash. The only, the only thing you really need to worry about, there's really two things. One is your focal distance. So, you know, who you're shooting is in, in, in focus. And that can be in the way I set it up. It's like, I can basically switch it to two places, either like super close. So I know if you're like five feet or in to me, everything will be in focus or around seven feet, where if you're like three feet to 12 feet, you'll be in focus. Ah, so you just know you're just like, it's called, it's called zone focusing. Ah, And then I use a full flash, full manual. And the way to kind of adjust the lighting where you have mm-hmm. control is then controlling your uh, your your aperture really. So I like to shoot at f11 because it means most of that stuff is in focus. But if something's farther away and I want to capture a big scene, I'll lower the aperture down to you know 2.8 at the if I want to capture like a, a big room with hundreds of people, I can do that. Ah, yeah, because you're in some real dark, crusty environments, I feel like. Just looking at your yeah. photos, like you're in some environments where it's like, damn, I'd feel so awkward even having a camera with a flash in my hands. But you, you just you must have like the biggest cojones to be there and be like, what's up? I'm enjoying, but also, you know. Yeah, yeah. You just got to, you know, you want to be, um, you know, you you know, a lot of people like have this thing like, oh, you know, you got to be a fly on the wall type of thing. And that's really not me. It's like I'm there partying with these people, drinking just as much as they are, having a good time. And when they see that, that that's happening, they don't, they're like, oh yeah, he's just a photographer, dude. It's cool. You know, it's not like I'm kind of being an outsider. That's the real shit though. Like when you actually are involved and you're a part of the action, Yeah. like the trust level goes up, the quality of your content comes up all of a sudden, like you're as interesting as everyone else and people start wanting to like show out for you and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, for example, and, you know, um, if you go to, uh, you know, one of these uh, mid-Atlantic leather convention yeah, things. T- tell me about and, how you approach it. I'm so curious. And you're, like, in this whole area where people are either getting, you know, whipped or whatever it may be. You know, if some dude comes up to you and, like, grabs your ass... You just let him grab your ass. It's not the worst <laughs> thing. It's not the worst thing in the world, right? But if you do freak out, then all of a sudden, like everything is the dynamic shifted. Now you're that like weird cisgender white male in the room, and it's like, yeah, I get exactly what you're saying. You know, and I, yeah, I mean, it's like whatever. Or some guy tries to kiss you, whatever. It's fine. Yeah, you know, I've no, no nothing wrong, nothing wrong with that. You know, I mean, you do, you know, want to have your limits, but I mean, it's like. 
you know, if you're curious about those environments and you're going in, you kind of need to have an open mind about that. Otherwise, you wouldn't even be going there, right? Yeah, well, 100%. Like, you wouldn't be going to some leather convention if you were scared of some random dude grabbing your ass. Like, it's like, it seems like it just kind of comes with the job at that point where if I want these epic shots that no one's getting, you might have to take some L's sometimes, and that might mean... (laughs) But also, I mean, the same goes if you're shooting, let's say, punk rock shows, right? You kind of have to have a little bit of no fear um, in the sense that if, you know, if you're very new to it, you know, it can be really intimidating. I'm talking like real kind of hardcore oh, yeah. punk rock that stuff, right? Real. And then on top of it is like, how do you get those awesome kinds of shots is that you also have to basically be in the pit with everybody else, man, and willing to, you know, get slammed into the ground or whatever it might, might be. Um, you know, it's just, you know, you gotta be, you gotta be nice. You you don't, you can't lie. You gotta tell people what you're doing and, but you also gotta be, you know, cool and open-minded. So no matter kind of what the situation is. And then sometimes those situations will, you know, will find you, you'll, like um, I did a music video for the band Low Cut Connie. I don't know if you know them. I actually saw that video. Oh, you saw the video that I did. So they found the uncut the, one too. Huh? The uncut one too. The uncut one. Uncensored. Uncensored one. one. Sorry. Yeah. So they found they found me on. Uh, well, I went to go see a band called the Lexington Arrows, who were from Baltimore, that I liked, and they were playing. I think Comet Ping Pong. And Look at Connie was playing as well. It was like their first time here. And when and there was like 10 people there. And I was like, man, you guys are awesome. And I just kind of talked. I took some photos, talked with the singer, sent it to him. Nice. And then he's just following me. And then he's like, hey, um, you know, we're going to do another video. We want you to do the video. And we want to do the video from the perspective of how you shoot. Oh. And so I was like, well, how do we accomplish that? And then I had to think about all kinds of different ways to uh, make that happen. So what I what I wound up doing was I got a dual hot shoe contraption and I mounted a GoPro on top of the, the one of the hot shoes and then uh-huh. my flash on the other one yeah. and basically just left the video running while I was shooting. Is that how you did that? It was yeah. so seamless watching that video. Whenever you would be on this scene of like uh, two dudes in the shower or whatever it was, yeah, it would pause to the photo. And I was like, and it was so seamless. I was like, how the hell is he doing that? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly how, how I did it. That was so, sick, man. Yeah. So, and then, you know, with the GoPro, it does have, I guess, in, uh, in-camera cropping capabilities. You can, you know, do... I think 50 millimeter, 25 millimeter, I mean, 28 millimeter, 35 or something like that. But I sent it to the, to the, not the super wide screen, but the second one, which was like a 28. And, um, yeah. And so just when, and then I set the uh, time codes up so they were exact. So I knew where my photo was, where in that footage was that photo. So then I could just scrub through it and just find it. That must've been interesting challenges dealing with that. Like, let alone yeah, and a, Go, and a GoPro photos. also, if, if you shoot GoPro raw at night or, you know, it's actually not, not, not bad, but the whole idea was to have it kind of grainy and gritty. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a, you know, which is how it, how it came out. But so that was, a, that was a wild situation because, you know, I had to go up to Philly. They played the, uh, the Trocadero and we had one night to do that. And we, um, Basically, I said, all right, so why don't we do this? Let's get uh, like a hotel suite and we'll just stock it with booze 
and then we'll just invite everybody from the show. What? And they had like, I think they played like 800 people that night or something. And so we just invited people off the street. Holy shit. And just back to it. They all had to sign a release because it was going to be a video. Yeah. And then and then we also stocked it with um, like a blow-up doll, balloons. <laughs> yeah. Um, At that video, it was like this guy walking around the streets with, with a blow-up doll with big anime titties. It was hilarious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so we just kind of like, you know, threw these props and basically had a big bar. It was just like... You know, it felt so natural. I wouldn't have guessed that you kind of staged it a little bit, but that it was it well, was like it wasn't perfect. I stay, I made the stage, you but then it. I didn't tell anybody what to do, really. So when you're in a situation like that, and like you're in like the hotel room, and everyone's kind of turning up and having a good time, like when two people jump in the shower like that, are you just like, "Yo, do this like that"? How 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 are you operating in that environment? Like, what's, your, <laughs> what's like your so so actually so there's so there's another part of that video where some of it is actually staged. So in order to, um, we thought in order to get all these uh, regular people or people from the show going a little crazy, yeah, I had uh, two uh, uh, gay African American friends of mine come up, and then I had, uh, and then uh, the low cut kind of guys had these two model girls that they knew that were kind of wild, oh. and so their their job was to kind of help people's loosen up with their inhibitions that's so slick yeah oh that video, no, that video was gnarly dude like i enjoyed watching that video I had, I had no idea who the band actually was but i knew that it was a good ass time yeah well that band is uh fantastic by the way and they're blowing up i think they just did a tour with big frida and um whoa yeah and they they're uh that's wild elton john supports them they got they're amazing probably the the best band live band i think i maybe have ever ever seen Whoa. it's old school piano boogie woogie rock and roll but with like a modern and they're, they're they're from out of where uh philly oh <laughs> yeah some wild shit would come out of philly i'm not surprised there's some hard people over there yeah so they're yeah it's a, they're they're great so i you know that was basically how that <laughs> came to be but you channeled all like the what's like you channeled the energy from these sort of niche groups that you cover at like these groups i guess it's always at night into that video but i'm so much more curious about the work in these crazy environments because it's such a situation that 99 percent of photographers won't ever experience we just kind of see this work from the outside and i wonder like what like what is this guy like, how is he even well, dude, there? you do fashion photography right yeah which is something i would really like to get into but there are certain fashion photographers that kind of go into that realm too. Like they do. Jurgen Teller. Um, oh God, who's the guy that Helmut has a Newton. Bunch, Helmut Newton. Um, uh, Richard Terry Richardson. I don't oh, know. Terry Richardson. You, you know one of my favorite photos that I love of Terry Richardson that made me a fan of his. This is the most raunchy shit. I've is it ever... the uh, Cunnilingus one? What's that one? So one, he's at a, a nudist camp, and there's all these people like waiting in line at the cafeteria. But then in the background, someone's performing cunnilingus on someone on a swing. Oh no, that's genius! <laughs> no, one one of my favorite photos that made me be like, "Yo, Terry Richardson is is the godfather of the shit." Was it's a photo of him taking a photo, right? But the photo, so it's a photo of the, if this is a scene. Mm -hmm. The scene is him taking a photo of a girl. Uh, 
like holding his dick, like hard dick, and with and she has jizz on her. But he's taking a photo of her, and they're like both smiling, having a good time. But it's a photo of that scene. And when I saw that, I was like, "This is the most meta next level shit I've ever seen." I was like, "This guy is a gangster." Well, that guy, yeah, he's a gangster. He's also a gangster that's gotten into a lot of trouble. He's been canceled essentially. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, um, and I can't, I can't, yeah, but I can't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I can justify that because I've been in, I've been not been in that particular kind of situation. But you know, I also try to respect the people I Facts. shoot and I do not want to I, it's, I just you know you there, there's a lot of sleaze that goes on in that sort of thing and I don't really want to be part of that I'd, I'd like to document it from like an outsider like most of that stuff is kind of set up and arranged a bit or then it becomes porn and that's not interesting to me either you know I want photographs that make you question what you're looking at as opposed to like, ah, oh, this is it, you know. What like, happened to Terry Richardson is he got accused of like rape and stuff like that, right? Yeah, and I guess he basically got uh, canceled as a me too. Say these he days. Got me too and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I mean, who knows? I don't know if he's still shooting or, or not. But what I'm saying in, in the fashion world, there's a lot of stuff like that that go that goes down. But um, well, Mario Testino, yeah, he got me too by a bunch of male models. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's uh several people like, yeah. like that. <laughs> but 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 talks. But speaking of your work, is that it's tasteful. Like it doesn't blur the line of pornography. It's it's still very much art and eroticism. But there's that fine line, like you mentioned, of tasteful photography and untasteful porn. Yeah. And yours is. It, I think it always does a good job of being documentary and and tasteful. Well, I try. At least what you show us. I'm sure there's some shit that you got that's like, whoops. Well, I do have uh, this right here, which this is a mock-up of a area. I guess people on video can see this. Whoa, what is that? So this is a mock-up of a uh, book that I have coming out in March. My goal this year is to put out four books. Whoa. And this is called Gratuity Included. And it's basically, and the whole book kind of, if you look at the photos, it kind of reads like a fever dream. And there's really very, you know, there is some of that kind of lewdness stuff in a way. But, I mean, if you flip through it. Whoa, this is awesome, man. This looks great. Yeah, so that's a mock-up, but it's going to be a real zine. And there's this red film stuff yeah. that's going to separate um, oh. what happened, what could, you know, the, the sections in there. Are you going to do, like, a release party or anything for this? Uh, you know, I'm not 100% sure yet. I want to get the actual real thing first so I can, you know, build my web page to sell it. Um, and then... Um, Whoa. Dude, this is so cool. I feel like I can just look at this. Dude, I love stuff like this. Yeah, so it's kind of, uh, you know, it's just Sick. stuff that I haven't really... Um, mo some of it's been on Instagram, but most of it hasn't. Oh, I saw some titties in there. You definitely, I put that on Instagram without some big stars on it. No, and I think that was from a uh, that was from a bachelor party. I think that's the only uh, only breasts in in uh, in this one. So, so you've kind of like built this reputation as like that photographer who is not scared to go and be that guy, like to ad adventure and kind of be uh, adventurous in that sense. Like, is that true? Like you've you've do you find that now you're attracting gigs like that? Like people like, yo, we got to hit Chris Suspect for this shit. Like you're kind of like that guy in, in this area now? 
No, I don't know. No one calls me up to do this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> They're like scared. They're like, oh shit, he's here. He's going to do, he's, he's going to make this look much worse than it is. Oh shit. Okay. Um, okay. No, I mean, I don't, you know, who knows? No one, uh, I mean, like the low cut Connie thing was like, you know, one of the things that kind of came from it. I've also, yeah. I don't go shoot weddings, but I've had two people ask me to shoot weddings to shoot it in like this style. That would be interesting. Yeah. So, um, but I mean like the, uh, the career arc, if you will, for me was, uh, I was pretty much started off with just kind of straight street photography where it was just on the street. And then I started entering some contests and then winning them or placing in them. And then I was kind of known as a street photographer. And then um, while I was doing that, I was going out at night shooting punk rock shows here in D.C. At, you know, roughly from like 2010 to 2014. Wow. Um, and then I put those all together into like a, a book that was published by Empty Stretch. And um, that became really big. It wound up being um, exhibited uh, in some great places around the world, the Leica Gallery uh, uh, put it into their archives. The DC Public Library has uh, copies of the images, uh, of, of and the, so I became yeah. the oh, he's the music photographer. And then um, now I'm, you know, then I've been started this gratuity included stuff, and now I'm like the party photographer. And then when I do the, uh, you know, the leather scene stuff, I'll probably be the gay photographer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I always and I, then and then I have some other stuff coming up, but that's more of this kind of landscapey seaside stuff with a twist, and who knows what that'll that'll be. So, well, I mean, I hate to shine so much light on the gratuity included stuff because your work outside of that, your street and your documentary stuff is fantastic. Yeah, and, thank and, you. And I don't want to insult you by only talking about this because it, it, it's just the most well, yeah. sensational stuff to talk about. <laughs> but you know, looking at your body of work, at least what you have out there on the internet, like your balloon series was f so slick and smart, dude. It was good. Dude, thanks, man. Like, I, really, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, that's so that's a that's a series for people who are listening to this, um, or even if you're watching on video, we don't have an image to show you. But it's a series of people just on the street where like a, or they're holding a balloon, but it just kind of naturally by the wind or whatever covers their face and it kind of turns them into a, a balloon head. And it's a popular trope in uh, street photography, obscuring faces. But it's really hard to get that kind of shot because yeah. of the, the wind and everything. And so I've just been collect. Whenever I see someone with a balloon, I'm just kind of focused in like, well, yeah, will the wind blow the right way or whatever? So it's really kind of hard to get like a, a really good one. Um, but yeah, and I think putting them together as a series is kind of cool. You know, some guy approached me and I don't know whatever became of it, but he started um, he wanted to put out a whole book that was a compilation of this kind of stuff and then when he discovered me he's like dude you're gonna be like half the book <laughs> it was out of what, what stuff uh out of the balloon head stuff um yeah i, but, I, could, I, I was thinking i was like how did he find the moments to like were you like sitting there just waiting for the right balloon wind wind to take the balloon yeah that's kind of like how it goes yeah wow. it's like you see um um you know someone kind of holding a balloon and ideally they're standing and not moving um, and then you'll, you, you know, ideal or, or they'll have a little kid in front of them holding a balloon because then the balloon is about the height of the, their head and then you can do it that way. Oh. But it's really kind of, it's, it's, it's tough, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I, there, in fact, there are so many images, images and I was like, wow, this is a solid series you've clearly been working on for a long period of time. Yeah. Yeah. So, and nothing set up in, in any of those at all. So mm, no, I never thought that at all. It's it, it, looking at it and looking at it, I was like, damn, this is very much street photography. Yeah. Well, I, I had a, I guess that one of the 
the first shows Mike O'Brien did at Hole in the Sky, I had like six of those images up and half the people are like, how did you set this up? <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> Do you spend a lot of time out on the streets actually just trying to get stuff? Uh, yeah, it depends. I mean, um, like I was just in Chinatown for the Chinese New Year's. Um, I'm usually, I used to carry my camera with me all the time, but then that would get me in trouble because I'd forget what, you know, I'd be shooting, I'd get into that zone. I'd be like, oh man, I, I've been on my, you know, out to lunch now for four hours or something <laughs> like that. So, um, I stopped doing, uh, doing that and being more purposeful. Like, oh, I'm going to go out for four hours and see whatever happens. Mm. Um, and I do shoot around DC quite a bit, but I've also been traveling a lot, and um, that's even better because I don't have to th when I, wherever I am, I don't have to think about just regular, you know, human being responsibilities. You know, you so, can like detach and just capture them in the most savage street photography way. <laughs> exactly, or you know, just see 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 what happens. It's you know, it's it's great. So. Um, street photography for me is so intimidating. So I always respect that. It's like, I always found street photography being so like, it's, it's like almost introducing yourself to a stranger, but you, you kind of get away with not saying it, but you get the photo. Like, how do you, how do you approach that? So that's another thing where I think coming, you know, being honest about your intentions and telling the truth to people. And what I found is 80% of the time that people think I'm crazy and they want, don't want to have anything to do with me. So, Damn. for example, um, if I am in uh, Chinatown, uh, this is a photo that I took where people were kind of like, you know, why did you take that photo? So it was like this, this kind of white couple, like kind of, they looked like a little worried and they were like holding hands and walking fast and it was right outside that McDonald's there, right? And you had all those, you know, yeah. black dudes there hanging out. And the whole thing to me screamed of like, you know, this is how this is, you know, speaks of kind of a racism and fear, you know. So that's so when they said, why did you take our picture? I said, well, you know, it kind of speaks to uh, racism. And they're like, we don't want to have anything to do with you. <laughs> and and and, uh, and left or, you know, like. There might be something where like some kind of juxtaposition where they don't realize something else is going on in, in my frame because they're not paying attention to their surroundings. And I'm like, you know, I'm trying to juxtapose you with this couple kissing over here or whatever it might be. And they're like, huh? And they don't see anybody there. And I'm like, well, they were just kissing or whatever it might be. <laughs> um, so they're like, oh, okay. You know, occasionally you get people that get it that are like, oh man, you know, like, can you, can you send me that photo? There's some architect in San Francisco that was like... Really, man. Here's my email. Here's I all feel my like stuff. Most people would feel creeped out, like, or, or they'd be like confused. Like, can you legally do that? And it's like, yes, you can. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, that happens really infrequently, but um, you know, you know, when it does, I'm like, you know, oh, yes, I, yes, I can. Um, and then, especially in like Chinatown area, I'm like, it's like you're also on these cameras over here. <laughs> Um, you know, that's when I, you know, I'm the least of your worries really. Oh, and if you want to call the cops, I'll, uh, or, or, you know what, I'll call the cops. <laughs> and so, you know, that freaks them out too. And you're willing to wait for the cops. You ever, you ever have like a crazy situation happen, whether it was like in these crazy clubs or on the street. So there's a, the, the craziest thing that happened to me was really bizarre. Oh yeah. I was on my way to pen camera to develop some film. I think this was like 2010 or something. 
Um, they were on Seventh uh, Street at the, or Seventh and F or Eighth and F maybe at that mm-hmm. time. And um, so like they opened at eight, and I got there uh, like I think I got there a little early, like seven forty-five. And I was like, you know what? I got a couple shots left on this roll. I'm, roll. I'm just gonna walk around. And then I stumbled across um, this woman sitting down this whole array of uh, tables and all the the tables had their chairs like on top of them but she was uh at the one table with one chair with no chair with 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 no chairs around it but in the shaft of light and she was just like reading the newspaper and it just kind of looked like a nice quiet you know scene i was like okay took it and i was literally like 20 30 feet away i mean i was going for the whole thing i wasn't getting close or anything mm-hmm. And because I was using an old Nikon F2, those things are loud as hell. They go, you know, you hear it. And um, as soon as I did that, she gets up and comes over to me. Goes, did you take my picture? And I was like, yeah. She's like, why did you take my picture? And I said, well, you know, it looked really beautiful with you and the lights sitting there reading the paper, like a nice quiet scene. And then she was like, you know, you can't take my picture like that. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I think I can. You're you're in public, and you know, and though you know, you had the newspaper in front of your head. I mean, no one knows who you are. Then she goes. I've had my vagina all over the internet. I've been <laughs> raped before. You what? can't. What do you do with that photo? And then I was like, uh, I'm going to put it out in the New York Times. I kind of came back with a smart ass response. And then she flipped out and started screaming rape while all these what? commuters no are, are walking. Oh, my and God. Then, and then she physically grabbed my camera and then started trying to punch me in the face. So I was kind of holding her off. Holy shit. And um, the, you know, the circle of people were around. And the thing was, is I had a camera strap around my, you know, around my neck kind of thing. And she was like holding on to that. So I couldn't get out of that. And um, then the police show up. Thank God. Quickly. And they're like, what's going on here? I'm like, this woman's accosting me. And so the police are like, you know, leave him alone. And she's like, what's going on? And he's like, he took a picture of me. And he's like, uh, where were you? She's like, sitting over there. And it's like, so you were in public? She's like, yes. He's like, well, he can do that. And she's <laughs> like, no, he can't. And then she started swinging on the police. No way. Yeah. And then she wound. And the police are like, sir, you can, you can leave. So I went across the, the street. And then the, uh, the 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 police wound up arresting her and throwing her in the back of the car. Damn, you triggered the right crazy person at the wrong time. Exactly, man. That I is you know wild. they didn't look like they were like a homeless person or somebody you know that was suffering from mental illness at the time. <laughs> you know, because I, I don't know. You know, it wasn't a logical reaction. You know, that is extremely illogical. She was clearly damaged by someone who put her nudes online. That is wild. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Who knows? So, um, yeah. So that was probably uh, the worst thing. Another bad thing that happened to me was in. Brussels, Uh-oh. and I was there. I had uh, some work up in the um, the Jewish Museum of Belgium, and we were leaving the reception. And there's these um, uh, like Arab guys hanging out doing whippets on the street, <laughs> and so I photographed one of them doing whippets, and then he kind of came after me and just basically wanted to start a fight you can't take my photo oh, this and that shit. but i had a, a couple people with me and um you know nothing really ever you know came of that but that's the only he was just kind of out of his mind yeah but also belgium is really that's actually one of the places in the eu where you're allowed to photograph anybody in fact they're, they don't even have CCTV cameras in Belgium because they're concerned, they're concerned about their, you know, privacy of the state spying on them. 
Um, oh, but you're allowed to take pictures. But I mean, if you're just walking around, you'll get people walking up to you and be like, don't take your picture, even though you haven't even like lifted your camera up. So it's not a very fun place. Like to people go are very to. weird about their privacy there. Yeah, they'll they'll just come after you if you even have a camera. Sometimes that's so weird. What a weird like thing to be sensitive about for a whole nation of people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's. I mean, you know, it's not everybody, but it is palpable. You can sense that on on the on the street there. I mean, it didn't stop me from doing stuff, but at the yeah. same time, it's just like you're always kind of you know, just waiting for someone to come up and yell at you, which doesn't make it fun where you go to, uh, I do these photo workshops in, uh, San Miguel de Allende, Mexico for during day of the dead. Oh, nice. And there everybody, no one cares. <laughs> you know, you can photograph freely all you, all you want. So it's really interesting, different places around the globe that have different you know, feelings about this. Sort of is thing. it, is it an American thing to be able to get photographed in public or is it just in some EU places? It's kind of weird. Uh, that's a, it, it's cool in America. It's cool in the UK. Um, it's cool in Eastern Europe, at least from my experience. Um, I'm not going to lie. I thought one of your craziest like moments would have been at like some leather daddy convention and like someone was like what are you doing bro no no not at all <laughs> <laughs> probably probably safer to shoot there than on the streets of brussels man um or even on the streets of dc so yeah i had a friend the other day that got beat up no way he shot them on u street yeah Ooh, that, that's a rough street man you photographed the wrong wrong pocket of people standing on the corner you better have a real good explanation yeah yeah so, you know, and you never know, like, are they drunk or, you know, so. Also, did, did he look like he could get beat up? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like, there's some photographers who do street photography. I'm like, I'm not going to lie, man. Most people could probably beat you up. You probably shouldn't be doing this. But, you know, it should not be that way, right? It's like, you should be able to, uh, you know, at night with a flash, yeah, I can understand. That's a little ag aggressive. Um, that is very aggressive. But, you know, I've, I've, I've not have had any instances, you know. I actually did that. And I photographed full-on brawls, too. And <laughs> oh, shit. I mean, I imagine that's the most punk shows you've covered. It pretty much is a brawl the whole time. It's like... Well, I, it's not a brawl. I mean, everyone's there you know, you know, most of the time to have fun. I mean, occasionally yeah. somebody gets hurt. I mean, sure, there's occasionally a fight, but that's about probably is... Uh, you know, you might have a fight at, you know, just re any regular bar or just on, on U Street or at a regular party. I mean, that kind of stuff just just happens mm, yeah see i'm i'm not i will never claim being a street photographer but i've been working on this series uh called let's make out where i've been trying to catch people just making out mm -hmm. and I, i've just been savage with it whether it's like in a bar wherever i'm at wherever I, I always have like a little film cam with me but there's been a couple nights i went out on u street and i was like all right I, I, it was like one two in the morning on like a friday saturday night oh yeah i'm like all right i know i can get some people you know <laughs> And, and I was in, I had to get comfortable with it because I'm not used to that. And I had a flash on my film mm -hmm. camera and everything. And I kind of started to notice that people are like deer in headlights for the first few seconds. Like if, if you're smooth enough with it and you know the moment's happening or you get it, it's like, and it, if it happens fast enough and you don't linger and you just keep going, no one either a notices or if they do notice, they're kind of like, what? And then they just forget about they're it. They're like, what, just, what was that? What just happened? Yeah. And then they don't think it was them. Um, but honestly, if you're getting people making out 99.9% .9 of the time, they have no idea that you just did it because they're really into making out. Right. <laughs> That's what I found. It seems a little uh, 
intimidating to to do that, right? Like I'm invading their personal space and their oh, private yeah. moment. Um, but most of the time, they have no idea that it happens. Sometimes you can shoot off a bunch of rounds of your flash. The other thing I found too is that if they notice you, they burst out laughing, and then and occasionally they'll be like, "Oh, can you take more of us?" And I've never had any problem shooting somebody making out that I don't know that I just see on the street. You know, you got to be good nature. I mean, also, if you show fear like you've done something wrong True. after you've taken the photo, they'll sense that. Right. So, you know, you got to be confident in the reason why you're taking the photo. And that's where I come back to, you know, you have to be honest and true about your intention. Mm. So if you if someone says, you know, why are you doing that? And you're like, man, I'm working on this project of just people making out. <laughs> They'll probably laugh and think that's cool. They're like, oh, man, I could be in your project. That's what I said for a couple people. I was like, yeah, I'm working on this thing. I don't know what's going to happen, <laughs> but, you know, that's what it is. And don't worry about it. And like, oh, yeah, no worries. Man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So it's, it's cool. Does the name Alan Menox mean anything to you? Uh, no. Really? Alan Menox? Yeah. I th for some reason, he's like a Cuban photojournalist. I thought you were the guy that maybe got him into shooting, like, the, the DC drag race. No. I know you shoot that, right? Yeah, the, you mean the um, uh, the 17th Street? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have, I've, a couple times, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But no, I don't think I know him. Okay. Has there ever been a situation where you're like, this is the craziest shit I've ever shot? Like, in your mind, in your, like, you're sitting there with your camera like, what the fudge am I doing here? Has there ever been like a... Oh, where I've questioned me being somewhere? Yeah, like you're at some place that's so insane, you're just like... What is going on? What that would have been the, the first year that I went to the Mid Atlantic Leather Fest mm. um, because I just had no idea, and it was super intimidating. Um, and then the next year, I brought a gay friend with me for some support. Um, <laughs> that helped big time. And then uh, after that, it's not been been a problem. And it's not. This just isn't. This is not regular gay stuff. This is like, you know, people getting whipped in public or um, I don't know if you know about uh, the electrosex stuff. What, what is that? It's where, uh, the, you know, we'll use, uh, oh, no, they have all kinds of devices, but um, they're charged with electricity and they'll put them on their testicles and or and like what? zap themselves <laughs> And then there's a uh, weird um, talk about some fried eggs. Weird, weird latex stuff. Um, there's like yeah, this year there is this uh, what's called a, a latex vacuum bed. I've actually seen that on HBO Real Sex when I was really young. Oh, uh, really? I'd never seen that before. You never seen that? And that was one thing. That's when I was like going like, wow, this is something. But I wasn't scared. It was kind of you know, it was cool. Well, I think at a certain point you're kind of just. You're, you're like detached from it or something and you're sitting there sort of, this is fun. What other kind of crazy stuff is going to happen here? Yeah. I mean, and you know, everybody's there in good nature to have fun. So it's really, what's intimidating is the surface. Um, and, but if you're, you know, get beyond that, it's like just harmless fun, really. Mm. 
Mm. Yeah, it definitely seems like a lot of. Shock. I mean, if you're into getting whipped, <laughs> so or shocking your balls. Yeah, I mean that's cool too. Fine, shock the balls a little bit. Let's go, baby. Put that in your hinge profile. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I've seen some kind of you know weird weird stuff like that. I'm trying to think though that more of the weirder, just the weirder stuff that happens. Like there, you go and expect to see weird stuff, but then weird stuff can just happen in general in places you know this is i'm just gonna throw the long ball here have you ever seen any of those like sex clubs in dc no i've not been to any of those they i know i heard they exist dude but... there's one right next to where hole in the sky collective is like right around the corner oh yeah you're right i've not yeah no i have not what's that called a uh a gauntlet or no not gauntlet, the gauntlet. Uh, crucible i think right i don't know i remember we somebody at somebody um associated with hole in the sky actually works there um so, but yeah, I've not, no, no, nothing about it. That should be one of your next uh, guests, man. What? Have someone from that club. You know, I'm, I'm extremely scared to walk into that place <laughs> because I feel like they're just gonna like throw me on stage and strap me down and just like do. Really- see, that's the, see, that's the, that. I think that's, yeah. Like, I don't, I, I don't. You know, I think they wouldn't last if they did stuff like that. True, <laughs> true. Maybe I'm wishful thinking here, but like, it, it, I, I just, I just, I'm just curious, like what. Are they doing like we we're walking by? With so a if bunch you of wanted to go photograph a place like that, right? I think this is what I would do. I would go there, you know, with my wife or my girlfriend. Just feel it out first. This is a straight club, right? So they probably have a gay night, but you, yeah, just go there, get to know some of the people. Like, hey, you know, he's a photographer. Would you, you know, it's like, you know, would it be possible to bring my camera some night? And they're like, well. In that case, you go, well, you'd have to probably ask the people involved. And then yeah. you just kind of get to know people. And then, you know, you'll find some people that are willing to do it. And, you know, others be like, oh, definitely not. Or others be like, yeah, sure, as long as you don't show my face. Mm. So, but you got to, you know, you got to make an effort to become ingrained into the community that you're, you know, you got to do some research. You got to know what you're getting involved in. You should ideally know a little bit of the the language. So one of the uh, the the strangest things, and came out to be like one of the most awesome things that happened to me, which is uh, another book um, that I've been trying to to to, to get get published. Um, is many years ago, I was in Georgetown and saw this guy get hit by a taxi. Whoa! And I took ac- photos of the of the whole scene, and he wasn't badly hurt. It was just he got his foot got run over, right? Oh, okay. And so, um, anyway, he said, "Hey, we can you send these for my lawyer?" And I was like, "Sure." Um, and then I, and he said, "Yeah, I'll pay you or whatever." I was like, "Don't worry about it." And I just sent him photos from the scene. And then, like three months later, he calls me and goes, "Hey, man, I'm hosting this party. Um, I've been checking your photos out a lot. I'm hosting this party. You know, would you, do you mind coming to shoot it? You know, and this one I'll definitely pay you for, and all this." And I'm like, "Sure, why not, man?" And I was just had no idea. And it turns out to it was a uh, party for um, African Americans on the down low, and they all wore masks. It was like eyes what? wide shut, and they're all in underwear. And, um, you know, I guess most people are out, but some weren't. So it wasn't everybody was on the down low. But anyway, it was just insane. And I was a total fish out of water 
I did not know. Did you, you didn't know you were walking into that? No, I had no idea. Oh no way! Did they give you a mask and everything too? <laughs> no, no, no. They were just like you're, you know, just like just go ahead, do your thing, you know. And but so the guy that ran it, this guy Bilal, um, you know, it was just like he's cool. He's a the photographer for tonight. Okay. So no one cared, and so but it was another like kind of intimidating. What was going situation. on in this place? It was just like people were just, you know, walking around in their underwear, being very kind of flirtatious and sexual with each other. Uh, but they were wearing masks, and it made it look... It was just like... All, it just reminded me of that movie, Eyes Wide Shut. And um, so I was like, how do I shoot this? I was like, I'm going to shoot this like I'd shoot like a punk show. And I'm just going to be like aggressive and just get what I get. And then I wound up sharing the photos um with Bilal afterwards and then I guess he shared them around that community and then all of a sudden I started getting asked to come back and shoot more and they what? they loved them and then from that experience when I was like you know like maybe four or five months later I'm looking through all this work and I see a lot of these guys have all these kind of religious tattoos and you know like crosses the rosary or yeah. God's miracle or something like that on them and I'm like yeah, I'm like, wow, you know, what's all this about, man? And he's like, why does half of these people have these all these religious tattoos? He's like, oh, a lot of them all belong to this church in uh, <laughs> Southwest. And I'm like, dude, you got to take me to your church. And he's like, well, it's not my church because I'm Muslim, but um, you can uh, let me introduce you to this, this other guy, Terrence. And and so um, uh, Terrence had seen me around or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I'll bring you in. He's like, you know, but, you know, you got to talk to the uh, the pastor there first. So. Uh, my idea was like, you know, if I, you know, I have like kind of these party shots with these, with these guys, but that, you know, but kind of mixing them with them in church, I thought would be a really cool idea. Yeah. And so, but I had nothing to show this guy other than the party shots, the pastor. So my oh, first meeting was no. sitting in the back room of this church and I'm like, you know, here's the shots and he's the, the pastor's there with his uh husband at the time they're going through them going mm, i really like these and these are like sure you can shoot in here and what? so i wound up shooting in that church for almost a full year going to all their services on sunday and while i was doing that then i was getting more into these the guys like kind of personal lives or like yeah you know can you come shoot me and my boyfriend in my room in my uh, apartment or whatever and that wound up doing um you know i just put that whole thing together as a series called faith but that was something that was really whoa that sounds like an awesome series yeah one in fact one of the images from that series is currently in photo la right now in los angeles which whoa. is a big thing like a big photo competition or something no no it's um it's like a photo expo of all the uh i don't know largest galleries and museums like the getty museum is involved and all kinds of what's stuff. the photo it's a picture of this guy on a balcony and um what's really cool so and he's kind of has this sort of shocked look on his on his face he's shirtless covered in baby oil and he's got a cross on that's sideways but then to the right of him is this weird like white scarecrow thing like the it's like the it, it, it seemed to me it was like the exact opposite of blackface but for white people so oh, it was like a whoa. white face kind of howdy doody looking sort of thing and it just seemed like this really crazy juxtaposition combined with how like the cross was put on sideways 
Um, and what just, is this church? Is this like the Church of Dick? What is this? This is like the weirdest no, church I've ever that's seen. Like, not a cool thing to say. It's a real church, sorry. and they they <laughs> sorry, I'm trying to bad joke. And and they you know they 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 they're it's a very warm uh, community that does a lot of great outreach for like you know the you know AIDS uh, community here in DC. They serve food to homeless people. They're a full on church. They basically created a little mecca for people for primarily African-Americans who've been ostracized in their own Baptist churches, which are homophobic as hell for the most part. You know, there's a couple around that are, I think there's like five churches around that are, that are accepting like that. But this one's one of the biggest and most, most active ones. Oh, okay. So it's like a legit church, like real church. It is a full on church. It's kind of like an escape from the normal hetero church. I mean, also the other thing about uh, this project, which is really kind of illuminating is that, you know, I thought the gay scene was all kind of, um, you know, hunky-dory under the rainbow flag and everybody was equal, mm-hmm. but that's just not the case, as I discovered, because I'd go to some clubs with these guys, and some of them would not be let in for some, like, bogus dress code reason, but, but basically because they were black. And there's, Whoa. Yeah, yeah, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, gay white racism against gay black people. Um, in DC, in DC, and also, uh, yeah, I mean, it's really, it's, it's quite a thing. So these folks, like this first party that I went to, was actually a rented out space in a restaurant in Dupont Circle, and uh, every party that I, everything that I went to, they had created their own. Um, so it's either they would rent out some club, and they would alert you only by text messages. You had to get on a special text message list. And, um, that's how you kind of found out about it because sometimes like they would, uh, they were doing like these pool parties in PG County. I never got to go to one. The one that I was going to go to got shut down because they were threatened that, you know, to that people are going to come and beat them up. Wow. When I was working, shooting the, the church, um, parent, um, this was over, uh, I guess pride weekend, 2014, um, they discovered a pipe bomb in a bag <gasps> outside the church. Whoa. So it's kind of like, you know, it was like a privilege to be led into this community where people could practice their religion and their sexuality really without fear. Right. And, and it's, and, but it's, it's something they had to have to go do because they're not, you know, there's parts that are uncomfortable about going to a, a white gay club. So I never crazy. knew. It's like, yeah, not only is it a subculture, but it's like a sub subculture where they have to create their own like event just because of racism. I never yeah. thought about that. I always thought the gay community would be way more accepting of that. Well, that. that's what I thought going in. Right. And I don't, you know, I, I, just, I had no idea. And it yeah. was like, and um, yeah, it just opened up, you know, my eyes to like, wow, you know, this is like, but the thing is, is like this group, instead of being like, um, you know, I mean, sure, they've all are victims of racism, but it's so much yeah. more. They're not, they're actually been in power. They've empowered their own community and created something amazing that, um, you know, I just haven't really seen that kind of uh, community come together out, you know, creating their own beautiful community out of their other circumstances and then giving back to, the communities, you know, by, you know, practicing safe, uh, or, you know, educating people about safe sex or, you know, helping people with AIDS in the hospital or whatever. There's this whole 
thing. I think that's called Impact Group is the name of that uh, uh, ch- charity that that reaches out to African Americans. Sounds like you got really connected with this whole group of people. Yeah, they're great. They're my friends today. That's awesome. <laughs> so um, there, are, some of them are in that low cut Connie video. Yeah, I, I, I love I love that entire story, but just how it started with an accident and yeah. like it, 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 you did the awesome thing, which is you went down the rabbit hole, which most yeah, people which, wouldn't have. And yeah. I think that's the coolest thing. That's another thing. Like, yeah, if you, something seems like it could be interesting, go yeah. do it, you know? So yeah. And that's how I've kind of followed up through, through stuff, you know, things like, uh, I thought like comic con would might be interesting to shoot, but I didn't find it that, that interesting. I went to that once, you know, some things to me are kind of like a bust, but I, I really prefer, kind of um the like subcultures and kind of hidden communities that have their own kind of uh languages if you will why is that why do you find them more fascinating i I just think it's it's sort of like you're trying to uh psychologically decode like what's what makes these people click Mm. you know it's more it's kind of a sociological psychological sort of thing for me you know I mean, because when I, I grew up in D.C. and I was um, primarily like a skater, punk rocker dude, and I would go to all the punk shows and stuff like that. And that was it's those are two kind of subcultures. Um, Very much. You know, and so, you know, I kind of like um, appreciate, you know, like one subculture that I didn't really care too much for, you know, back in the early nineties or I mean, late nineties really in DC was like the kind of the rave culture. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, I've actually gotten to appreciate that more and more recently. Cause, uh, I don't know, I've gotten into like EDM music kind of stuff Welcome lately. To the club, my friend. <laughs> so yeah, I just got my Dylan Francis tickets the other day. So I don't know if you know him. Of course I knew Dylan. He, yeah. He's, he's really big. He's been around for a long time. Yeah. But I like, I mean, he's got some really cool, cool songs and I'm, I am so out of place in those environments. But, but you find that subculture interesting. Yes, I do. So I, I, but I find photographing the EDM thing is a little rough because not because no one wants her picture taken, but because everyone's all doing the same thing. You know, it's like, have you been to the late night warehouse raves? No, that's the, so, I, so you got to bring me now. <laughs> so I got to bring myself for the first time, but have you been to flash? No. Okay. So flash is, uh, it's a rave or a, it's one of the dance rave clubs slash almost gay bar on U street. And it's one of the few places that's open until three or 4 a.m. Uh, but if you go there and you know the people, they're always going to the warehouse raves that are like the real DC shit. And there's a couple collectives who operate in there. And like, I, I know of like, it's like DJ Lisa Frank, I think is one of the main party throwers, but mm-hmm. somewhere in this warehouse district in DC are these, a warehouse district. Where is that? Maybe that's just what they call it. I don't know what they call it, but, but they're, they're having these crazy late night, like. 3 a 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Oh, parties. Yeah, I find that hard to uh, hard to do. <laughs> yeah, but that seems like something up your alley because I've heard that it's just wild up in those places. Like it's it's predominantly gay, but it's also mad drugs, mad wild, mad free. It's, yeah, that's not no. It sounds it's definitely something I'd like to do um, for sure. So um, I regret not going to all of them now. Damn it! So I could give you some like actual feedback. <laughs> so yeah, but I find like you know, for example, like going to some of these because I've been to some in uh, Europe as well, and it's just like, how do you get like a different? T- I haven't really figured out like how to make that a little bit more, I guess, intimate. Other than you know, 
hot girls dancing or you know what it's you know what i'm saying it it's like, like you got to keep digging on it like like yeah. that scene i mentioned it seems like you got to keep digging because i know it's like i know exactly what scene you're talking about it's like the hot half naked girls with candy like the bracelets on their arm and yeah 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 it's like okay like it, clearly you're rolling or whatever it is it's like that that's interesting but it's also mainstream in a way yeah yeah well yeah but i mean it's like i'm you know my primarily goal is to look for something that's visually uh intriguing or interesting and when you're like in a, a sea of people that kind of like all look similar and all dance the same um, and you've seen those photos a billion times, it's like, you know, where, where does this get kind of kind of interesting? So like, you know, at a punk show, it's, it's not, not really as packed as much. And you have a band, DJs are really uninteresting to shoot, oh my God, <laughs> um, yes. you know, for the most part. Um, although I did get some good shots of a Diplo in Miami um, at this place called nightclub called Live. Oh, that's a huge nightclub. Yeah. But what was crazy about that, I was there for Art Basel week and they um, and I was like, oh, Diplo's there. I'm going to go. Got general admission tickets. That club is mostly tables, so the general admission part of it is really small, and it's you're right, basically with Diplo <laughs> right in front of you. <laughs> and so I'm shooting that, and then you got people standing up, like swigging champagne behind me, and confetti going everywhere. And then you got these dancers, and Paris Hilton's in the background over there. So that was kind of that was kind of fun. But that's interesting. But you don't. And that's what's cool about shooting punk shows is because you're like you can be right up front in the action. Mm. But when you go to let's say like Echo Stage, for example, you know even if you are on yeah. the stage, you don't have the proximity of the crowd to kind of provide that same energy and to put them together in a frame together. Right? It kind of seems like you need that closeness to have yeah, the impact you, that you're looking for. Like you need to be right in their face, kind of thing. Yeah. Well. Yeah. But everything needs to be in proximity, which is like. I'm not a fan of shooting bands at 930 Club because they got this barricade, the stage, and you oh, can't yeah. really. I'd rather shoot a band playing in this space right now with 10 people in the room, and that would I think would be so much more interesting visually. And I've seen that. It was fucking rad. Oh, there's been a band of players. Literally, they played right here, and it was like a four. And how many people could fit in here? Maybe like 15. It was so hot, <laughs> but it was the best feeling ever. Yeah, and that's you know that's a big part of it. Also, like when the audience for anything like this is is that close and it's that intimate, yeah, they play off each other, and then so you true. can you can capture that that feeling too. Um, so that's kind of like what I'm going for. Instead of you know a cool photo of a DJ with his interesting electronic thing going on behind him. You know, I don't know. You can see that anywhere. Well, compared to what you've seen, especially when you see something like that, you're like, oh, this is vanilla. Like, it's so disconnected. It's it's very corporate and mainstream. It's like, where's the real kind of... So so just because I don't, like, I don't find it all that interesting to shoot does not mean I do not enjoy the music. So. True. Yeah, I'm just talking, like, purely artistic <laughs> photography content-wise. Yeah, yeah, I would love any Diplo show any day of the week. Any Dylan Fancy show, I'd thoroughly enjoy. Although, so, okay, so I did get some good shots at the Diplo show, yeah. by the way. But this was because... Um, me and my friend, uh, somehow we managed to get back into the VIP section. Finesse. And um, there was it must, there was one table. I swear it was just a, the strippers out for the night out on town. And they were just, they were like giving lap dances and stuff in this with, but see, Diplo's like on the other side of the, of the place. And so that was kind of fun to shoot. That's and that was fun. interesting, right? Yeah. But it's like, you know. 
I don't, you know, I don't know if I have it in me to go to every EDM show to find stuff mm. like that. Yeah. Because for the most, you know, it's, it's, most of these shows are really big and it's like, it's just, there's the intimacy between the artists and the audience is kind of non-existence unless they go out into well, the crowd. Well, with big names like that, with Dylan Francis and Diplo, you're going to get a lot of like separation from them in the crowd because these guys are beyond famous. Like, yeah, sure. But, I, you know, like I said, I don't know the f- the field that that well. Um, nobody my age listens to EDM, I can assure <laughs> you of that. So it's like it's just kind of what I what I hear online or, or you know, might hear at the gym or something. I'll be like, Who this, who's that? And then I'll kind of research it a little bit. So like knowing that like there might be a whole scene in DC at some warehouse space where they're hopefully they're more into the music than into just the drugs. Um, that yes. would be One, cool. One hundred percent, there is, and a lot of it is connected to Flash, and a lot of it is connected to loosely U Street Music Hall. But that place is hard to photograph, and they don't want you taking photos. Oh, there. Uh, yeah, I know. I hate um, that. I've I've shot there a couple times, um, but yeah, yeah, they, they're so against it. But what? What made you? What makes you so partial towards black and white in all of your photos? Because I've noticed that's like a very recurring theme, and it's it's really nice. Like you, the black and white you use, it seems timeless. Yeah. So, um, uh, part of it is that. Part of it is uh, so during the day when I shoot, I usually shoot in color because I can mm-hmm. see color, and color is a is is sort of a, a puzzle in the way adds a whole other la- layer to photography. Whereas not only do you have to think about whatever the action or the juxtaposition or the layering or whatever that might be mm-hmm. going on. You also then got the complication of color and it's like, how do you make that work? And then there's some images during the day that, or, you know, some images that um, only work because of color um, and wouldn't work as a black and white. However, at night I can't really see color in the same way I do during the day and I just it's just like it's like Dr. Jekyll Mr. Hyde I find it you know I find uh I find shooting at uh at night to be a little bit more um I just I'm looking for gestures and and action and um you know juxtaposition here and there or, or just regular or weirdness or whatever because I'm not really considering color because I can't really size up color in a dark room to know oh wow there's you know if this room was dark i wouldn't know this is green moss up here and you know and let's say someone had like a red shirt on that i could probably tell but i wouldn't even think to play the green moss off the red shirt because i would just think it's some kind of black mold on the ceiling because oh, it's just so dark and especially yeah. in these places where you know what i'm be, saying yeah. so it's not really a consideration for me because I can't really, you know, see how that's going to, I can't really size that up if that will be an interesting thing to shoot. So I'm more at night about the gestures and stuff. And well, the black and white definitely adds that feeling where when you take away the color, now you have to see it for what the situation is or what the scene is. And then now you're you're not focused on the color of the shirt. You're thinking about what's going on. Like it yeah. almost focuses you, like your the viewer's attention on it. Yeah, no, yeah, it does focus you a little bit more on that uh, that that attention. Yeah, you, yeah. So it's really, um, yeah, it's interesting. So there is actually one photo in here that actually works great as a color photo. Um... Let's see if I can find it. But, you know, it's like you don't want to throw one color photo in um, so, so a black you, and white When you're out at book. night and you're shooting, do you shoot in color or do you do it? I, I shoot in color because I don't 
I mean, I use a digital uh, Leica. Oh, so. in post, you put it in black and white. Yeah. So, I'm trying to find that one. Jeez, did I not include that in here? <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Looks like you got to go back to the drawing board. And draw. No, absolutely not, man. This <laughs> took a long time to... Uh, oh, this one right here. So, it's the one of this woman kind of passing out with her eyes rolling in the back of her head. That is a heavy photo, by the way. Yeah, so in color, like this is kind of a blue sailor outfit. and She's got like red lipstick on and these shirt. Anyway, she totally pops out of the photo in color. Um, but, it is but it's not something I could have considered when this with, happened. Without you telling me that she's like drunk and passed out, whenever, it looks like a very weird gangbang photo like you like you're what and not mean like gangbang, but like your mind goes to something sexual like like this girl's being taken advantage of or something like wow you know the backstory so you can't connect it but when i look at that photo i'm like what weird sex party is chris at for this like so uh, that's yeah so this is uh but that's funny that your mind goes there because you're the first one to actually say oh, my mind is the worst place to go <laughs> So, um, yeah, so this was, I was outside uh, Club Deuce in Miami Beach at like 2 a.m., and this girl was just walking out, and then she just totally collapsed. And these guys are, like, one guy's a bouncer, one guy's just somebody who's there, and they're trying to help her out. Let me see. I can't really see from a single. So, it's kind of like, but, if, but to me... This photo sort of like she almost looks like kind of Jesus being taken down off the cross. Okay, and now when I want to look at it like this. I would send to my comments, but <laughs> but at first glance, you kind of think like something bad's going to happen to this woman, or like whatever. Or like, like yeah, she, well, something bad has happened to her. She's like she's but, looking at but for Jesus. me, but for me, that photo is really more about the humanity around her mm -hmm. trying to help her out and, and save her. I can't picture this photo in color now. Looking at it, like, I can't picture it. Yeah, but it actually, it's white. it's one that looks good in color. It just so happened to be, but it wasn't shot for that reason. Reason, you know what I'm saying? But so. in a way, it's almost like the black and white is like I associate that with like your style. Like that's yeah. that's your your voice, your your documentary, your your street photography voice at night is like that's what I associate with is that black and white. Yeah, there is I do yeah, there there's yeah. I've just kind of developed that over years i mean I've, I've found i've been able to take a party of like five people and make it look look really interesting <laughs> what's, what's this you said you have like a like a certain aggressive style of, of documenting what is that could you talk more about that well so for example like um when i was growing up and going to punk rock shows i was always looking at um album cover art right mm. and like you know you look at some early dead kennedy's album covers and um or black flag it's always something kind of um, uh, like an aggressive photo or kind of a Raymond Pettibon kind of cartoon or like with Dead Kennedys, it was kind of like photojournalism stuff. Um, so then I, I got into a band and then I started making flyers for a band. I'd go into the library and go look up photo books and look for um, um, interesting photos to use for flyers. And that's when I discovered people like Dion Arbus and Ouija and just kind of like, you know, really weird black and white photos. And it's like, man, this stuff is awesome. Um, so that's kind of like sort of the birth of like my influence and especially someone like Ouija who shot New York crime back in the, the 40s and 50s. Uh, do you know anything about that guy? No, no. I'm so fascinated. Oh, by man. So Ouija is... Um, he used to, uh, ba basically, he had a, a police radio, and he 
got an apartment right across from the police station and he'd listen to it all the time. And as soon as he heard about like a call come in, he would like jump in a cab or jump in his own car or occasionally hitch a ride with the police and go right out to the scene. And oftentimes he'd beat the police to the scene. Holy. So, and he would, you know, there's a whole, there's a, there's a, there's a a movie about him and one of the funny lines. I don't think it's Nightcrawler. I think Joe Piscopo is in the movie. Oh, okay. But in the movie, one of the lines that I remember is that he comes across some scene and there's like witnesses there, but the police aren't there. And one of the witnesses are there and he has a hat on and he grabs the hat off the witness and he throws that onto the corpse. And when he's like, why'd you do that? He's like, because photos always look more interesting with a hat in them. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, oh, wow. You know, this is like, you know, that was kind of uh, and he did stage some some stuff whatever um but uh which you're, you're not supposed to do when you're a photojournalist but um but anyway he's like just kind of his style and his sort of he would throw this morbid humor into these 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 kinds of photos so um you know he was an influence and then i started um hearing about people like anders peterson which is a black guy from sweden black and white photographer and he has this whole series called city diaries and a lot of what you know, he would just kind of shoot the city at night. And one of the things that he would do um, is he'd go into bars and find couples and basically say, hey, can I shoot you guys like having sex at your house? No way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he would do that. And they would appear like in the book. But, you know, it would be, be not porn style. It would be kind of like this intimate Artistic. moment. Kind of, yeah. So and he's very well known guy, you know, and there's um, so I mean, that to me was was, uh, you know, kind of influential. So things like that. So, you know, and then also my background in punk rock really is like, uh, you know, it's aggressive music. So it kind of fits in the whole the whole thing kind of just works together and comes out as these sorts of sorts of photos. How long have you been taking photos for? So that's, um, well, I, I would say seriously since like 2010. Whoa. So I've expected like, but I mean, I've shot cameras before then, but not, not to where I was like, you know, I got a, a, a camera for the birth of my son to kind of document his birth. It was just a Canon power shot. I basically learned the levels and, you know, just experimented with it on the street and I would just start taking photos. I was like, we're going to put them on, on Flickr. And then people started um, stealing my photos, like blogs would steal them or Business Insider, if you're listening, would steal them. Damn. (laughs) Did you get after them, though? This is what I did. This is genius, man. Here we go. Here we go. (laughs) So instead of like going after them or calling them up and complaining, I just started sending invoices for realistic amounts for photos. (sighs) Genius, man. And um, more than 50% of the time, they would pay them without question. Because they knew. Or they just thought it came in and like, oh, (laughs) we'll pay this. I don't know. Like, I never heard from them, but they paid them. And then other times, they'd call back and be like, why are you charging for this? And then I'd be like, well, because you stole it off my website or Flickr. And um, they'd ham and haw. And I'd be like, like, look, you can do one of two things. You can just take it off your site or you can pay me. It's like, this is not worth getting a, a lawyer for yeah, like, over a photo, you know, $80 like, web usage at yeah. 600 pixels wide or however you, you know, calculate that math. <laughs> and so, you know, it was rare. You got someone who was a dick. Some people, they try to, you know, needle you down to something less or whatever, but you know, then you're arguing and it just, at that point it wasn't those nickels and dimes weren't really worth 
worth it, but it was kind of fun to do. <laughs> it's so ingenious as opposed to causing a stinker. It's like, yeah, I'll just invoice them, see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Avoid all that mess. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you ingenious. know, some places are so big, they have no idea. Like, oh, I guess that's an invoice. All right. You probably, probably look so it. legit. Oh, well, we didn't use that photo. And uh, well, I guess he's a photographer. All right, here we go. Just uh, shuffle that along. <laughs> exactly. Oh, wow. But only since 2010. I don't, man, you know, someone your age, I thought you'd been doing it for like 30, 40 years. How like old do that. you think I am, man? I don't know, like 40, something, 50, 40, 50. All right, that's I'm good. Scared, I'm I like that. to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 51. I, I just I turned 51 in November, so. Oh, nice. Congrats. Yeah. So that's, um, yeah. So yeah, no, really like 10 years. But before that, I was always always involved. I was always in, into music, man. So I play bass, um, done tours and all that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, so before photography, you were a music dude. Yeah. And I wish I was doing photography at the same time because that would have been some, I've seen some crazy stuff on tour. <laughs> so Oof, Like a punk band too? Yeah, yeah. Oh, damn. I've heard DC had a crazy punk scene. Is it still popping or is mm-hmm. it kind of a thing of the past? It's it's pretty big right now. Um, in fact, I'll do a little uh, promo shout out to yeah, my friend Farah Skyke. She has an, a show at Transformer, and it's basically of all kind of current punk bands from, I'm going to say, 2014, 2015 to today. So I was kind of right before her shooting like from 2011 to 2014. And then she she was shooting the same time I was, too. Um, but what she's showing at Transformer um, is uh, stuff from later, uh, more current. But there's a, there's a massive uh, uh, punk scene here right now. And so I saw this, uh, this band. Uh, they're, kind of, they're sort of older. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of younger bands, too. But, old, there's, yeah, there's uh, like a younger band. Red Death is freaking fantastic. They, they were in my mind. I saw them all over my Instagram. Yeah, they're they're probably they're one they're my favorite current band. The other one that I'm really into is uh, this band called uh, Zealot Rip. Okay, but that features some kind of older people from the from the scene. But they're crazy good. Red Death too. No, well, Red Death's crazy good, and Zealot Rip is really good. Mm. And then there, you know, there's other ones too. I've I'll go to some of those shows occasionally, but not as much as I used to when I was shooting uh, for that that project that I was doing. Yeah, and that project really was more of a personal project because I was shooting it from the, cause when I was going to shows, when I was like, you know, 15, 16 years old, they were just downright scary in DC. DC was a scary place, dude. Yeah. Back then. It Not was, that I know but from what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was definitely a, you know, it was definitely a, especially at that age. And then you go to these shows where like, it was just, it was just, just mayhem. Um, so, but everything was like kind of, you know, I recall the, just this kind of, you know, violent slam dancing, just, Damn. just crazy, you know, you know, just, you know, real, you know, problem kids and just all of this stuff going down. And it was just, and I just remember it like this kind of like hurricane and, or tornado. And it's just like, um, it was just chaotic and I wanted to actually photo go back and photograph that, which I couldn't, but I was like, how can I recreate that? And I wanted to do it in terms of like, how would I make that kind of a, like a vivid memory or recollection? And that's where the black and white came in. And for a lot of that stuff, I did shutter drag on my flash to kind of create energy and action. Ooh. And, um, yeah. And all that stuff, you know, came together in a, in a book. So that was really that's kind of how I approach that. It's interesting that DC would have such a thriving punk scene. Yeah, so there's uh, coming up in April, there will be the Damaged City Fest, which has bands from all over the world. 
Um, I believe some of it will happen at the Black Cat. Um, they didn't. No longer the Pinch. That's no was longer it, there. Was it, was it Bad Brains that came from DC or a Minor Threat? One of those big bands? Yeah, both of them. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. That's Damn. What's up. I'm doing a podcast here in Washington, D.C. How long have you lived in D.C.? Well, I, I've never been in touch with the punk community. That's the thing. It's like are you from here? I'm from Northern Virginia. Grew up in this area. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I grew up in and high how school. old are you? I'm 29. 29, all right. Yeah, I mean, I grew up taking the freaking uh, Metro to, the, to uh, 930 Club and getting off at 930 Club in high school and going to go see some hardcore bands that back then and u street was not what it is now back then so i, I remember no. i remember thinking about it back then i'm like jesus i can't believe i did that but even then i still wasn't much of a punk guy yeah I, it was more of like a hardcore and then that evolved into dance and edm and shit like that so yeah so keep track of all the subcultures <laughs> but if there's one thing i know is that dc has a crazy influence on like the punk rock community well it has a crazy influence on the punk on the on, on the world really um minor threat and bad brains um bands like rights of spring like you know changed people's perceptions of punk all around the world wow. fugazi um fugazi yeah, definitely so you know bad bad brains was like here you have you know four rastafarians playing <laughs> playing hardcore music you know that was kind of uh that was kind of kind of kind of just crazy in of itself you know is, is that um, like a dc specific thing like do you think it's because of the political nature of dc that it spawned such a crazy punk scene or what do you think that is uh i don't know i don't know. that question's really not for me because i wasn't really here at the beginning beginning like right. i've started going to shows in like 1984 where i sort of missed um the minor threat error but i was there for the beginning of like fugazi and dag nasty and rights of spring and all these other critical critical bands and bad brains um so uh you know i you know i think it was just you know a bunch of kids doing you know trying to do something different something fun they saw about sex pistols or clash in england and whatever and wanted to recreate that themselves discovered that there was a scene in la uh, with the germs and um, uh, uh, X and things like that. And so, you know, it was just kind of like this, you know, back then, you know, you didn't have the Internet. So you, what you had were fanzines and there you would learn about different scenes and then, um, you know, you'd connect with them. You'd buy records through zines and that's how kind of the word word spread. But D.C. was sort of, you know, unique or minor threat like and bad brains really caught on and spread like well, like bad brains like began to dominate new york and yeah yeah and and minor threat you know did great everywhere especially california and it's just like and all of a sudden it's like you got all these great bands and then you know ian mckay you know started discord and jeff nelson started discord records and they were putting out their own stuff which was kind of revolutionary at that time the diy yeah and, you know, and that also added to this whole mystique and then add to it like, you know, um, $5 shows and all of that sort of stuff. All of a sudden it kind of, you know, became this thing that influenced stuff all over the world. Yeah. I mean, I'm just so surprised and somewhat shocked that you say it's still so thriving because as someone who I feel like I'm in these streets, like in these art, these art streets that at no point do I have much contact with the punk scene or even hear a, hear about it or even get a Yeah, but you'll it. you'll run it. There's a lot of uh, punk rock artists <laughs> that you know <laughs> you know it's not um yeah, I mean it's but you know if you keep your ears to the ground like for example, you tell me about this uh you know EDM warehouse thing which is like really 
has me intrigued and I want to go seek it out. But, you know, it's just like, yeah. you know, and I just told you about Damage City Fest. So if you Google Damage City Fest, you'll see that they have a, an amazing lineup this year. I mean, I don't even know most of the bands, but I do recognize a bunch of them on there. And it's just like, this is going to be awesome. And then you'll have people fly from all over the world and bands from all over the world playing here. Mm, you that know? sounds fun. Damage City Fest. I'm trying to remember that. When's that coming up? That's in April. Okay. I mean, I can look it up exactly, but... Yeah, no worries, man. I'll worry about that when we get to it. But, dude, so do you have any uh, big shows or anything coming up? Like, I mean, you said you're pushing out these books. Like, So, yeah. So, my goal this year is to produce four of these, starting with Gratuity Included, coming out in March. Um, and they're all going to be, like, just this red film that's on it. This has been a, been a real challenge to find a printer that will actually print and bind yeah that's a nice looking sort of thing i mean this is just like a xerox job but but it'll be really done really well with um you know high quality paper and all that sort of stuff oh okay i see what you're talking about yeah so it's going to be like a real thing um so but i plan to do four of those in limited editions of 150 each and after those sell out they won't have these special features yeah they won't it'll just be more like that you know Mm. No, no red film anywhere in it um so the next one will be uh leather boys um which is a lot of that gay bdsm scene photos and then after that it'll be something all in color whoa and that's going to be all from uh this town in romania called vama veke which is on the border of romania and bulgaria and there um it's a it's a crazy party town (laughs) on the black sea and it's it's fantastic and it, it lends itself to shooting color there i um, actually saw some of your work from that it was like a it's a beach out there on the sea i saw a yeah bit of that. yeah so yeah i have a series of that but that's the tame ah. <laughs> that's the tame one <laughs> Man, i'm so envious of these crazy situations you get into like this is the stuff that like photographers like dream of being in these fringe cultures oh and you're a part of it and you're just enjoying it it's non-judgmental yeah so so vama vecchia just to give you an idea of what makes it kind of so special is that during the times of chichetsku who was the dictator the communist dictator um this was the one place that sort of escaped the tentacles of the communist uh, regime then where they the police really wouldn't mess with anybody so it was originally like in the 60s and 70s is kind of like this hippie commune where there are fishermen you know it's a bunch of nudists and people playing guitar and just the local fishermen and then um just over time like when communism fell and then you had um kind of globalization they wanted to monetize all this awesome black black sea beachfront property this town was like no way we're not doing that oh wow and we don't want any hotels or any chain restaurants or any of that and um as a result that kind of got it a little more popular for kind of like the outsiders and the rebels oh, and this and that. I see. And then so now, I mean, it's changing now because I've been there like three years now and you can see the change in three years. But 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 it's basically you have thousands of people that go there and mo- and there's no place for them to stay. So they're all camping out in campers and tents. Oh. And then you have DJs on the beach that just go all night that long. That sounds so sick. And it's like, you know, clothing is basically optional. How'd you find out about that? Uh, there's a photo fest that happens there. And so I was uh, invited as a guest uh, to Whoa. give a talk and do a workshop. And actually this year, I plan to do a, um, a workshop in August. Uh, to, it w- it'll go start off in um, 
in uh, Bucharest, which is the capital of um, Romania, and then go to uh, Transylvania, <laughs> and then end up in uh, Vama Veche, um, where this year they're not really doing their full photo fest. It's kind of like they're kind of rebranding it, but they're doing something small, but that'll actually be, be perfect. And I'm just thinking like, you know, get, you know, six, eight, ten people go out there. I already got, uh, you know, a driver and a van and all that stuff. I haven't announced that. I'm, I'm announcing it right now that we're doing this. But yeah, that'll be really uh, kind of cool because I know a lot of good, a lot of good people over there, and we'll be taken care of, and it, it's fantastic. Shit, sign me up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, it'll be a uh, third week in uh, August. Wow, dude, that's exciting, man. Dude, I, I, I can't wait to, to get my hands on these books, man. They're really, it's really yeah. Good. Oh, and then the last one will be. Um, uh, basically about that whole night with a look for that low cut Connie video. So oh. yeah, a lot of those f- photos, photos that, that are not in the video. And then, uh, Adam, the singer, I'm going to have him write something about that night. Um, that night was just total. It was, it was amazing that it, it happened and we were able to document it like, like that. Does it feel like a movie when you think about it? Like it kind of feels like it wasn't real or something. Yeah, it was just, it was just crazy, man. It was just like the, I mean, it's like, you know, basically it was all left for me to cook up this whole idea. You know, they said we want it to be raw and crazy. And I said, well, this is, I don't know anybody in Philly. I'm going there as a total stranger. Like how do I create this whole party? atmosphere out of like nothing and so that's basically you know i had the band invite people you know members of the band they didn't announce it i don't think uh, on stage but um they just told friends and told friends it was just like yeah holiday Inn express <laughs> chris michael i mean i'm so fascinated with you and your work i wish i didn't have to wrap this show up because so what time is it your shows go forever i mean i i like to do it as long as i can i could talk to you forever but the thing is the guy whose studio this is yeah, here we've been here six. for quite quite a bit of time. Yeah, an hour and a but half. But it's only felt like, you know, 15 minutes. I know, dude, I mean, your stories are so incredible and like you have so much depth to everything you've experienced. It's like I feel like I haven't gotten enough. Like I'm sitting here just so entertained like I can't believe. Oh, I have a question for, uh, can I ask you a quick question? Please, yeah, man, please. So you um so I, I listened to uh, the podcast with Marta. I thought was a uh, great. No, oh, thank you. I don't know who she is, but I really enjoyed that one. Um um, and then you had uh, that guy, Ian Callender guy, yeah. on, which I thought was pretty pretty interesting. Um, but during the Ian Callender one, you were talking about the art event that you did, which I think was at the same place. The Cheshire. Yeah, the Cheshire. I almost went to that. Why didn't you go to my show, man? Uh, something else came up that night, and I think I, I hung out with... Uh, a friend and went and did something else yeah. because I, I wasn't, I didn't like, like I know who any of the artists were or anything, but what intrigued me the most, you guys, you and Ian were talking about sponsors and you got, um, uh, illegal mezcal, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a score because mezcal is one of my favorite things. Dude, mez- <laughs> dude if you would want, you would have gotten fucked up off mezcal. Cause literally he was giving out shots all night. Yeah. I'm like, sure I would have completely I mean, crushed our bar sales, but Everyone had a great time, and I was like, oh, that's fine with me. But, yeah, but that was the first time I'd seen an event sponsored, you know, with a Mezcal company, and I thought that was pretty pretty awesome. And I wanted to go go to it. Primary, I had no idea who you guys were, mm-hmm. but I was like, you know what, man? It's got to be cool. They got a Mezcal sponsor. <laughs> no taken. I need to work with them again. And, actually, I, I, I hope to work with them again. So, but, yeah, I want to kind of, you know, I've checked out your stuff online. A lot of your fashion stuff is really dope. I liked it. Thank um, you. Thank you. And then uh, I'm also, you know, curious about these kind of art show things that you've been doing and sort of, I guess, the, the community run in. 
So, and the fact you're doing this podcast and you know what you're doing with audio is a real big plus. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's all about having sweet audio because if it's an audio-based format, even though the video for me is the most important part, it's like... Why is it the most important part? Because YouTube. YouTube. Where do you get more listens from? YouTube. Than in like the... Than from iTunes? Uh, Or podcast This podcast is on every audio platform. Yeah, but have you looked at your stats? They're probably not as good as I've seen, and, and they're actually pretty good stats. But for me, the YouTube is more important because I can take this interview, and I could take a five-minute clip. I could take four of those, sure. and I could make five separate videos. If it was just audio, I have one clip. But the but with the with the YouTube, well, yeah, you don't have a vi- yeah, you can't do a and I can monetize on YouTube, reel. Like, but you can monetize on podcasting too. The reason why I say this is because I do podcasts as well. Yeah. as we discussed probably before this started. Um, I find. That it's uh, so. One of the shows that I that I work on that I'm not going to name, um, we get twenty to thirty thousand downloads per episode. Holy it's shit. also on YouTube. Um, we're you know, and now this is through like iTunes, Android, whatever, Stitcher, all that, uh, yeah, Spotify, same. all that stuff. Um, YouTube, you know, lucky to get two hundred. Yeah. So it's, you know, for something like this length, you know, like for me, it's like when I've listened to your show, I'm like at the gym or I went for a run. Um, But trying to watch an hour and a half of this on YouTube distracting. The strategy is if I do these clips, then I pull them into the full interview. Sure. Like that's like the YouTube strategy for podcasts is you, you you do the full podcast, which is great, but you find the interesting clips and you give those their own thumbnails and stuff. And that... Either is its own piece of so you content. find like a, just a little gem that will make somebody laugh or you know like there's like a thousand things you something. said that I could clip out because you have so oh many God, I, stories. <laughs> Here the remix. Yeah, no, I, 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 and I don't edit this shit, you know. But like that pulls them into the ecosystem, and like sure the audio plays are good and 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 that's all well and everything, but YouTube growth is a lot more measurable and it's a lot more tangible, and and having a giant audience on YouTube is so important and yeah it, it means, is it, i just found that in the podcasting and and youtube are like t- two totally different beasts oh my god yes so it's it's so nice trying to do it all man yeah but, but i love it and i enjoy it and like yeah i mean i've been doing these shows because now that i'm like i have this platform of this podcast and i talk to all these artists like you and everyone else now it's like i have this event thing that's still under that's the angle that i can now take you guys or whoever else and just do an art show yeah i mean you're basically creating a community right mm-hmm. yeah I'm so trying to create like a media so that's company. what it about i mean it's a, it's not so much networking is cool but actually creating a community is cooler exactly and um yeah you community of people that respect each other and then you never know what might happen with that with networking it's cool you meet somebody but then it usually will fizzle out but 10 years from now you might be like Oh yeah, that guy Chris, man. I'm I'm actually doing an all photo show now. <laughs> Let me call him up. <laughs> or you know what I'm saying? Well, but no, like, no, no, no. That, that's 100 percent what it is. It's, yeah, it's because I do have projects like that in the work. Like I, I'm I'm talking with this local magazine, and they're going to be doing this huge uh, photo competition in like April, May. Mm-hmm. And if your name doesn't come up, I'm going to be pissed. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Well, <laughs> like like and, and, and stuff like that. But it's like yeah, it's like now I can kind of combine all of these worlds. And in my mind. I don't see it as networking. I see it as I get the honor of talking to someone like you who I find extremely interesting, whose work I enjoy, who other people who I can look at from afar, but then pull them in and be like, so what's going on? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I love that aspect and the fact that 
I don't know, this might have helped someone. Like someone now might be more encouraged to go and shoot that party or go to do that or whatever it might be. I love that DM. Yeah. But then also there's also the side of where I'm like, I'm trying to build a really fucking big media company here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like there's that part too. So it's, it's Yeah, just, but it goes hand in hand and it's I, I call that being it's respectable, man. You're trying to build build a, a scene really. So that's very cool. Dude, thank you, man. Chris, yeah. I, I've enjoyed every moment here and I hope to have you on in the future, like 100%. All right, cool. If you're down. If, if you don't look at this podcast I, and you're like, I am down. that guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's it. Please check out his stuff. And that's it with me. That's yeah, look in the, the, the show notes, right? For the links. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that'll right. be there. His Instagram will be there for sure. <laughs> Your Instagram will always be there. Cool. Everything else, not guaranteed. <laughs> but that's it. That's the angle. Peace out, guys. All right, later. Woo!